Yes, how will United States politics and the indictment of a former president live side by side? I mean, that's the question dominating news from the US. If ever there was a work in progress, it is surely reaction to this extraordinary development. The case in question had gone quiet for quite some time before being revived last November by Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, which of course has brought politics into it all because it coincides with Trump's announced candidacy for the 2024 election. Joining me on the line from New York is Ellie Mistel, a justice correspondent for The Nation and author of the best-selling book, Allow Me to Retort, A Black Guy's Guide to the Constitution. Great title. And I also welcome back to Saturday Extra Bruce Wolpe, a visiting fellow at the United States Study Centre at the University of Sydney, who happens to be in the US right now. Hello to you both. Hi there. Um, Ellie, could you please update us on the latest developments we might have missed overnight here? I mean, any more knowledge about the exact charges Trump will face? No, we don't know the charges yet because the indictment is still under seal, which is standard legal procedure. Nothing weird about that. There has been some reporting that there are 34 counts Um, um, that are coming down from the grand jury against former President Trump. And we can reasonably intuit what those counts are. Um, Because, you know, let's be honest here, um, former President Trump's alleged crime has been a matter of public record for some time, right? He's he's accused of having an affair with an actress. Mm. Um, He paid that actress money to keep quiet. And as far as we, we can tell, didn't properly report those payments either as a campaign finance contribution or properly record those payments um, on his tax return. So if he did either one of those things, that's a crime. And we can assume that there are going to be 34 iterations of how that is criminal once the grand jury's indictments are unsealed. Yes, look, I read that, and I think I read a commentary you made. Like, it's a, it's a sort of an odd... Um, it's an odd uh, interpretation, is it not? Like you've, of, ha- of how it becomes something very serious. Yeah. So to to look what what the crime is is basically some version of criminal bookkeeping, right? Which mm. sounds very ticky tack, and it is. Where it gets elevated to something really serious um, is this a- this aspect of whether or not um, again the hush money payment that's not illegal. Criminal bookkeeping, that's, you know, some people make mistakes, you know, it's 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 when he didn't record that correctly on his taxes and or didn't record that correctly as a campaign finance um, uh, uh, violation of contribution that starts to get him in trouble. See, in America, unlike Australia in Australia, you guys have one uniform common law. It's there for everybody. Um, um, and, and that is that I would call that is smart. Um, in America, we are not as smart. We have multiple countervailing. Every state has its own blah, 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 blah. Right. And so to, to make it a federal crime, this state prosecutor has to basically argue that Trump, uh, violated a federal law, which would be for instance, campaign finance, right, which is shared by everybody. So that becomes a common law. That's your point. 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so he's that's that's the bank shot that he's trying to make. We don't know which way he's going, campaign finance or tax returns, perhaps a conspiracy theory. We won't know exactly which way he's going until the indictment is unsealed. But to make it serious, he has to be going in one of these two or three directions. You, you did right. Um, this isn't getting Al Capone for tax evasion. This is getting Al Capone for illegally serving alcohol at his underground poker game. Um, I mean... And the other commentary that has been very vivid is that there was there are so many things outstanding which are bigger than than this, arguably. So I mean, again, why? Why now yeah. with this? Well, there, time is a real issue here because we have uh, a statute of limitations that says these kinds of charges have to be brought within a certain amount of time of the underlying offense. Now, as far as anybody can tell, it's still alleged Trump is innocent and proven guilty, of course. But as far as anybody can tell, he paid off, he paid the hush money in 2016. So the violation on the campaign finance or the taxes, that's all happened in 2016. Folks, that's a long time ago. Hmm. So already, even if he brings this case in 2023, we are running up against the statute of limitations. If you delayed it any further, you would certainly be outside the statutory requirement to bring the crimes uh, in a timely manner, to bring the charges in a timely manner. So the timeline kind of pushes Bragg ahead, pushes the Manhattan um, district attorney, the local prosecutor in New York, ahead of perhaps more serious um, cases and serious violations that Trump may have committed in other states because Trump committed those violations allegedly kind of later in his presidency. See, it all gets complicated when you have a president who allegedly um, is criming all the time trying to figure out like when it's pr appropriate to charge for each crime, that's that's one of the reasons why we're in the complicated situation we are. Mm. Now, I'm going to bring in Bruce Wolpert. Your timing is impeccable, Bruce, being there to watch all this. Uh, how, <laughs> how do you judge this will unfold? It really depends, Geraldine, just as Ellie was saying. It really depends on when we see the words of the indictment itself. This is a very serious matter. No former president has been indicted. No former president who's trying to be president again has been indicted. And uh, I think it's important as a legal principle that uh, everyone is under the rule of law and everyone is to be accountable. But um, as you say, there are other serious matters pending. But for, so for a first to indict a former president, this indictment better stand up because otherwise it's going to look super political. It, it is inevitably political, taking on a former president running for uh, re-election. But it has to stand up on the merits as being worthy of going this far in the legal process. I think if everyone had their druthers who were interested in bringing Trump to justice, uh, the case in Georgia, did Trump criminally try to overturn the results in Georgia? Is he responsible criminally for the insurrection on January 6th? Did he mishandle classified documents? Those are all weightier cases than uh, hush money payment and so forth. But one other thing on this, uh, his fixer, his attorney went to jail for this matter. Trump allegedly directed uh, Michael Cohen to execute this plan. So why isn't Trump held accountable? And that's what this indictment will test as well. Yes. In fact, I was going to ask Ellie that because uh, there's a fundamental principle, isn't there, that if an agent is punished, so should the principle be. Now, doesn't, why, isn't that, why doesn't that get uh, followed up? Uh, because prosecutors are scared. 
I mean, like, like, let's be real. The It is easier to go after the button men. It is easier to go after the fixers. It's easier to go after the foot soldiers than it is to go after the boss, than it is to go after the well-moneyed, well-protected, politically connected boss who ordered the foot soldiers or the button men's or the fixers to commit the crimes. And that thought process is what has protected Trump, not just over the past four, five, six years while he's been a mm -hmm. national political figure, but as truly what has protected Trump all of his life. This idea that Trump perhaps isn't worth going after because the crimes are small and charging a rich man in this country is difficult. That's why Trump wasn't in jail like in the 90s. You know what I'm saying? Like, like this is a Over man his who business is, activity. Who, Right. This is a man who has who has flirted with illegality throughout his entire professional career and consistently prosecutors have, I would argue, lacked the courage to go after a well-moneyed, well-protected, um, rich, famous person. And so we're seeing that play out a little bit again. That's why I think, as Bruce was saying, the the importance of the standard that the rule of law needs to be applied to everybody, regardless of wealth or status, um, is critically important for these prosecutions yes, um, going forward. But I heard uh, Mike Pence uh, being uh, um, making statements today quite powerful, powerfully, sort of turning that around the other way. You're putting it a particular, you know, the law must apply to everybody, but he. He was particularly saying this is a clear case of the law being um, really egregiously applied. Yeah, Pence is wrong on many levels. This is a man who's fundamentally standing with the people who tried to kill him. Um, so <laughs> Pence, Pence is always twisting himself into a knot. But one common thing I've seen from the Trump supporters, from um, his, le his legal uh, uh, sycophants, have been saying some version of what Pence is saying, some kind of version of like, if they can go after Trump like this for political reasons, they can go after you. To which I say, yeah, if, if, if I pay hush money to a mistress and then lied about it and didn't report it on my taxes, they indeed could go after me too. Like that's <laughs> actually how it's supposed to work. Um, so I, I think that that the the the, the Trump supporters are, are barking up the wrong tree in terms of how the law is supposed to work. But that doesn't mean that his supporters will. This is this is not going to be the moment where his supporters are like, oh, my God, Trump, like maybe he's not a cool guy. Like that's not no. Well, well, let me ask about the political implications to you, Bruce, because I heard on um, a, a, a colleague program talking, Bill Golson from the Brookings saying he thinks this, yes, may very much benefit Trump, say, in the primaries and in the early stages, but not if he gets to the presidential stage, that this actually won't go down well. Now, what? and I'm intrigued as to how the Republicans are going to manage all this. How do you judge it? I, I think that's exactly right, Geraldine. And and what we have is Republicans generally, the Republican elite generally, if you lock them in a room, turned off the lights and said, how do you think about this? They want to turn the page on Trump and get forward. Just like uh, Fox News people. With, uh, Trump, with, Trump, <laughs> with Trump policies, but without the baggage. But what, what Trump has engineered it within 24 hours is virtually every Republican leader has said this is an outrage, this is a political persecution. So they're aligned with Trump on the tactics of fighting this, which undercuts their ability to move beyond Trump politically. And uh, so I think that is very significant. But on, the, on this point, uh, Ellie said something very important, where Trump said at the 
rally in Waco, Texas last weekend. He says, when they come after me, they're coming after you, his crowd. Mm. In other words, he is their hero. They elected him to make America first, close the borders, go after crime, go after immigration, uh, go after trade deals, international organizations, endless wars, and so forth. And he says, that's what you want. I am the authentic voice of it. So by taking me out, they will take you out. And I think that is very potent at this early stage of the presidential race. Someone is going to have to stand up to, uh, to Trump, a Republican, and take him down. They're going to have to beat him in primaries. They're going to have to stop him from getting delegates to get renominated. And the question of whether anyone has the backbone to do that, the courage, that is really going to be what's tested in Republican yeah, politics. And, and, you know, everybody talks about Ron DeSantis, but I've also seen that Glenn Youngkin, the Virginia Republican governor, uh, could be a, a more interesting um, coming through the middle. But uh, there is no middle because he's... He's fallen right in line with Trump too. He uh, at Glenn, the moment, Duncan, yeah. He's also been saying this is a political prosecution. This shouldn't be happening. Trump is being like uh, what, what Bruce is saying is so is so telling of how afraid his own people are of Trump. Even the people who are uh, sensibly thinking about running against him are so terrified of him and his voters that in this you know, massive political scandal, uh, uh, they're still, they're, they're defending him with all their might. Now, Folks, that didn't happen to Bill Clinton. Now, Ellie, right? I just, you've got 30 seconds. I want to ask you this. You're in New York. What's the atmosphere like there? I mean, there are reports that every uniformed officer has to report for duty. Yeah, we're not concerned. There, there are there are places in this country where the kind of Trump MAGA violent um, insurrectionists um, really do pose a threat. We're not so much worried about that here in New York. Um, not only is it a very heavily policed city, um, these people are 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 very small and okay. very much in the minority. This is All not. Right. Okay. Biggest last words, perhaps. But yeah, we're not, no, we're not we, I right hope now. I hope they're not. Look, thank you both very much, Ellie Mistel, most entertaining, and uh, Bruce Wolpe. Thank you to you. Always, Geraldine. Thank you. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.